welcome to The Movie Brew. My name is Tarek Kawaja. This is a podcast about British film and filmmakers. And today, like every other day that this podcast goes out, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Lester Garland. Hello. How you doing, good sir? Uh, better than last week. Uh, yes. Yeah. We had a little break. Um, <laughs> we, we couldn't do it. <laughs> so sorry about that. I did say I did say to the to to you that I was going to put a post up saying yeah. that we can do it, and then I didn't put the post up. So. Okay, good. <laughs> so our, our 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 many listeners out there in Germany, they're never coming back. And uh, and I think we got a couple in South America. Uh, they've just they're not coming back. No, South Americans are very much known for their timekeeping. I did well, I so. did find out we have one in Ukraine. So hello to all of our Ukraine listeners. Hey, hello to you. <laughs> Specifically, no one else. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So today we're talking about a film in, in the spirit of like the Joker's coming out this week. Yeah. Uh. So I said to you, like, well, I think you, uh, I think I said to you, I've done this film. This is a good British film to do because I really wanted to do Lynn Ramsey's stuff. Yeah. And obviously we got the Joker. I mean, I'm I'm never going to pass up the opportunity to just look at Joaquin Phoenix's face and just see him act the shit out of it. He's just so good. He's so good. Um. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm thinking that we're gonna during the course of this podcast work out some sort of like trend or like tie-in between joker and british film so that we can just do that <laughs> film yeah. next week for the yeah. podcast and we can just kind of work that out well uh, i already gave it to you the yeah? the in feudal times the jester was invented and uh you're welcome you world. did say this yeah you did say that a couple of weeks ago yeah totally so then there you go that is descendant from saxon times so Every, everything's english <laughs> Therefore, we're doing Hollywood movies now. Yep. Um, so, yeah, in the spirit of that, we're going to do um, You Were Never Really Here. Yep. Uh, Lynn Ramsey, great director. Uh, but we're going to find out more about her and just talk about more of it in during the course of this session. Mm-hmm. I'll let you take it away with the synopsis and the stuffs. Okay. Uh, synopsis. Battling between fever... Oh, my God. I'm going to do that again. Yeah. Battling between feverish dreamlike hallucinations of a tormented past and a grim disorientated reality, the grizzled Joe, a traumatized Gulf War veteran and now an unflinching hired gun who lives with his frail elderly mother, has just finished yet another successful job. With an infernal reputation of being a brutal man who gets results, the specialized in recovering missing teens enforcer will embark on a blood-drenched rescue mission when Nina, the innocent 13-year-old daughter, is uh taken by a sex gang <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah did it just end with the word taken and then you just added the the context yeah because it's just kept going yeah really yeah it's oh, a long enough. one it's yeah, a long yeah, one yeah, fair enough taken by some bad people yeah it's sex traffic peoples yes so i think we should preface this by saying um this is not a film for everyone it's no not your heartfelt family film and it's uh like it, it's unapologetically going after its th- of premise. It's got a thesis that it wants to put out there, yeah. And it's it's going for it, all things considered. But all the while, it's hitting those genre tropes of like a vengeance kind of revenge type story. I think, yeah, it of deals like the it, kind of taxi driver type of type of descent into madness type it's, story it's very taxi driver yeah it reminded me a little bit of leon as well 
Yes. Um, it deals with, yeah, it deals with revenge, vengeance kind of things. It also deals with how people deal with past traumas in their life and how those traumas can influence their life in a way that maybe they don't even notice. I like specifically that part of that sentence that you said in a way they didn't even notice because mm. the way Lynn Ramsey directs this movie is very much in the sense of like, she directs a lot of things. Like I, I call her the queen of close-ups because she just loves, she loves a fucking close-up. That this whole film is a close-up. It's, the whole, it's like, it's, it's so good. It's great. Um, but she's so, she's so good at like when just getting like big ideas across in small, tight shots and yeah. just in quick succession, there's so many times where you get these tiny flashes. I wouldn't even call them flashbacks, but they're flashes of moments that are connected to the character's ongoing situation, specifically at that time. Yeah. So there might just be like, they're in a specific, well, he's in a specific, our character Joe's in a specific point where he's about to do something or he's like going through some sort of emotional trauma. And then it just shows you a flash, like a few frames of that trauma yeah and then just cuts back to him or something that affects him and there's even points where it does like um similar it links different types of trauma going throughout his life Mm. and then it just cuts back to him in the present moment and it happens in like the space of a couple of seconds and you're just so you're just kind of like what the fuck was that like yeah what did i just see would it, would it, her, um, <clears throat> this is the first Lynn Ramsey film I've ever seen, actually. Yeah. Um, cause she doesn't, she's sort of notorious for not doing a lot because she's very uncompromising. Yeah. <clears throat> but what it reminded me of is, uh, have you ever seen one of those, like, one of those, um, it'd be like a BBC Four kind of show on, like, uh, classical art or something? Oh, yeah. And they go, like, around a museum and then they just do, like, they'll show you, like, close ups of, like, a canvas and they'll show you like like a few inches wide yeah. of everything so you can like really get in close and like see like the beauty of the details within it yeah and it just that's what she does like all her shots is just like the top corner of this bigger painting someone and just holding a fork yeah like, yeah yeah it's, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's got so much it's got so much like meaning or something yeah and it, it tells you what yeah. you need to know as well yeah. and it's and the, your kind of your imagination fills out the rest of the canvas it's it's yeah. really good. It's just such a good way of shooting a film. Um, it's based on a book by Jonathan Ames mm. of the same name, uh, which I wasn't aware of going into watching this film. No, neither was I. Uh, production companies, Why Not Production, Film 4, British Film Institute. It's a British film, guys. We we ticked we our boxes. It. We done did it. <laughs> and uh, it did very well in the um, in the film festivals. Yes, this is when I first heard about it coming yeah. out of Sundance and coming out of uh, I think it premiered at Cannes, uh, yeah. and it got like uh, people were talking about talking about standing ovations and stuff, and like talking about how Joaquin Phoenix just transformed. They were yeah. calling about they were talking about his this performance being just like trans like just he transformed into this character. So I remember good. like that the reviews coming out and sort of talking about that sort of thing, um, and it's yeah it was. It was just, I was really, really excited about it, but I missed it in the cinemas. Yeah, so did I. And I catched it, I catched it pretty much straight when it came onto VR On Demand Mm. uh, on one of the streaming services. One of them. Um, A British one. (laughs) (laughs) We only sign up to British streaming services, thank you very much. The Amazons in Britain, thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, God. Don't start that now. 
Oh, we'll get tweets. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, and I remember because I, I wasn't, I was expecting kind of a singular type thriller story type thing. Yeah. It wasn't but, what I thought it was going to be. And I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be, and it's in some ways it is akin to under the skin. Yeah. It's very, very like that. Actually. Um, it's in some ways it is like that telling a sort of using the genre of what it, what it's set in to explore a wider story of the actual message it's trying to say yeah underneath uh which it did do in some aspects but i didn't expect it to be as dark as it was and yeah and i didn't expect it to explore some of the themes that it did i was expecting like a more noir gritty version of taken yeah going into it yeah 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 yeah. but it's so much more than that oh fucking liam neeson in taken (laughs) yeah so good does that count as a british film uh liam neeson's irish right yeah <laughs> then yes <laughs> ireland is in britain <laughs> oh god i'll stop all the tweets all the tweets happening. i'll stop doing that at some point oh, literally like i just I, I can funny. feel the caps lock just coming at me coming at me right now uh yeah well so yeah in the film festivals i heard that yeah. it got um like literally like 10 minutes standing ovations yeah yeah yeah. that's what yeah that's what that's what i that's what i remember and uh when we get into scenes i've got some funny things involving mark camo to talk about uh but before we do that do you want to do any other bits or do you want to go into reviews uh let's go into reviews let's do it okay Uh, i've got three for you yes they're all imdb so they're all out of 10 stars yes no half stars okay and this is the point where you where i read it out and you try to guess how many stars these people gave it. Recurring segment on the show. Guess that review. Guess that review. Uh, first one is from Harry Losborne. Okay. Uh, and he says, So much potential that never gets going. Whacking Phoenix moves from... Whacking Phoenix. Whacking. Whacking. Whacking mole. Whacking mole Phoenix. <laughs> don't. Don't. Oh don't. How? Because I always want to say Hoquan. <laughs> <laughs> which is way worse. No, no, you don't. Is, I don't know what it is. Hoquan sounds like a Street Fighter person. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Hoquan Phoenix. I said it right the first time, no? Joaquin? Uh, yeah, Joaquin. Did like, I just fuck just it up slightly? The J is silent. Like, think Juan. That's the way I remember it. <laughs> yeah. Like, Juan, like Joaquin. And then Quinn, right? But it's like, just get rid of the Q U. You just Joaquin. Oh, I see, yeah. Okay, so Juan Quinn Phoenix. <laughs> Moves from strength to strength these days, truly moving into an elite acting company via lead roles in highly regarded, whilst not heavily publicized, films throughout the 2000s. Unfortunately, You Were Never Really Here doesn't quite meet the expectations that the trailer promised. More of a slow-burning, passive crime film that doesn't ever satisfy the viewer. The film starts with a bang, immediately giving insight into Joe's murky life as a pseudo-hitman, with some dramatic and gruesome violence. From this point on, the initial highs are then never reached again. The plot becomes formulaic, and the characters do not evoke emotion as they apparently should do. Um, oh, there's a cat in here. Yeah, so, uh, listeners of the show, you may not uh, may not have noticed, but I own a cat, uh, Herbie, and he uh, was getting very lonely outside, so I let him inside, because I didn't want him to scratch at the door while we were podcasting. Um, but going by your review judging mm. what you're saying the one thing i would not call this podcast uh not this podcast this review 
All the podcasts. All the podcasts. <laughs> is, uh, all the film, is um, formulaic. It's not formulaic. Yeah, no, that's that's why I picked this. So I was hoping you'd pick up on that because, like, what? Yeah. What films is this guy watching where this is formulaic? No. He's just watching incredible films all the time. It's just <laughs> all good. Uh, he gave it, he gave it two stars. He did no, not give it no, two No, he stars. gave it two, one star. Don't tell me. Okay. He gave it one star. He... <laughs> He gave it five stars. That's ridiculous. Yeah, five. Yeah, I know. It's a that's bit... not what he was going on about. No, well, that's why I picked them, isn't it? To trick you. That's it. Um, and and the the other bit that really got me with this is, and the characters do not evoke emotion as they apparently should do. Um, no, that's There's, not true. It's it's very nuanced what they do, but every emotion possible is done in these close-ups. Yeah, and like the thing is, is that. Okay, here's, maybe here's, my, here's my hot take about this, right? Um, the thing about thing about acting on screen, I watched, uh, because like all things, I watched a video on YouTube yes. telling me how to act. That's where Technically, all it was are. Michael Caine doing a talk telling people how to act. Okay. Uh, and he did, a, he did this kind of uh, acting in film, basically. He did this kind of study with actors and stuff, talking people through how he acts and stuff on film. And uh, he basically talks a lot about when you're acting on screen as opposed to in the theater, when you're in the theater, you're trying to project to the back row. Or yeah, whatever. you've got to emphasize everything because everything's got to be bigger. Everyone's got to so see it. So everyone can see it because yeah. they're so far away. Um, but for the screen, the camera, the eyes are just right there in front of you. Yeah. So if you do even the normal movements that you would literally do in the normal conversation, those movements are too much. Yeah, yeah. You have a box, like a like a like a five six inch uh, like box or whatever that you've got to portray all the emotion that you would, and you can't move your head like you would do in a normal conversation. You can't no. shake your head like that. You got to portray all your emotion in the eyes, yeah, and in everything you're doing. And for that, you can't like everything has to be subtle and smaller. Yeah, yeah. And it's that is a test. This film is a testament to that because everything oh, God, is yeah. small, but it's it means so much there's so much behind all of these different things yeah and just to uh as an example something that we'll get in more into later when we go into scenes and spoilery bits but the dinner table scene yeah is just the amount of emotion on i'm just going to call him phoenix now on phoenix's face <laughs> it's in it is incredible oh my god like the, the way the, he the looks ending at, shot you mean yeah yeah like yeah, the yeah. way he looks at the when she's at the dinner table yeah, 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 you know yeah. what i'm talking about People who have seen it know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking it's about. It's really, really good. Oh we'll get into gosh. that in the spoilers, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, that was that was the first one, which you failed on. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I got I got a cat who really wanted to come in here. Don't hold it against me. Okay. Uh, so next one is from Billy Dan Courtney 8. Okay. The eighth one that chose that name. Yeah. Come um, on, Billy Dan. Called it boring and frustrating. <laughs> Just had I knew me. We were get <laughs> yeah, of course. Just had me fed up about halfway through. Really tried to like it. The shots were needlessly artsy, and the music score often inappropriate. One could gild the lily all day with this and try to make it into something deeper than it is. In the end, I just <laughs> felt like fast-forwarding it, pretentious and ultimately painful to finish. Gild the lily is such a good, like, such a good phrase. And he's calling the film pretentious yeah I've and he's saying it. gild the lily i've got it i gotta love that i gotta love that i'm sorry i've got to give him points just for that just the fact that he used the word gild the lily gild the lily in a phrase and then we're talking about it 
on a British film podcast. Yeah, like, no, that's true. Oh, this this should this whole podcast should just be called Gilding Lilies. Gild the Lily <laughs> with Gil- Tarek Kawaja. I know, right? Blessed <laughs> Garland. Um, right. I I knew we were going to get some of these sorts of yeah, of course. Uh, reviews of people just saying it's frustrating and it's just like not they didn't get it and they didn't want people to just be blowing up because it's kind of pretentious. I'm just going to put this out there for an art house film. Right. And this is kind of an art house film. Yeah. It's teetering, isn't it? This is, there are so much, there are so many more pretentious movies than this one. Oh God. It came out that the same year that this one did. Um, you seen that one Sean Penn did with all the like space shots. No, I didn't (laughs) see that. What are you talking about? This came out like a good few years ago, but fuck me, that's really pretentious. Yeah. This is this is fine. Well, like the Revenant for one. Yeah, I mean I'm that's sure. that's good, I'm but not, it I'm is. I'm not sure pre- that's like uh that's like uh the same year this came out, but I think this came out in 2018. But still, yeah, 2018 it got released to the market. Yeah, yeah, but still, Revenant, man, that film is pretentious AF. I've gone off it. Have you? Yeah. Well, see, I've only seen it once and I thought it was really good. Yeah, it's one of those films that you watch once and you really enjoy that one time and you mm. never want to see it ever again. Yeah, I've, I had never felt an urge to be like, oh, I'm going to watch that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. if you did, you get angry about it. Trust me. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair enough. Um, and yeah, so the bit, the point that I wanted to pick out of this one was uh, the music score often inappropriate. Uh, disagree. Yeah, totally. Hard, strongly. If this was like a, if this was like a sort of like multiple choice survey type thing, where you've got agree, disagree, strongly agree, strongly disagree, strongly disagree. Yeah. Our survey says strongly disagree. <laughs> Johnny Greenwood did the, uh, did the score for this film. He did. And it's amazing. I actually really like the use of dissonance. I mean, we can speak to this with a couple of uh, musicians. Um, I love it. I love the uh, one, the one musician, one X. The open, um, the opening score that he uses, uh, really reminded me of like it's kind of like Tom Waitsy with the percussion in it. Oh, it's such a good shout! It's very Tom Waitsy. It's got that weird percussion that like shouldn't be used as percussion. Yeah. that I love. Yeah, and it's like it sets the tone for like a really good. I always think of like that percussion thing as being synonymous with new york anyway yeah i don't know why i think yeah. it's just because of the album rain dogs and i just <laughs> i just can't not think about that now um but and then yeah and then after that it kind of goes into a more like ethereal kind of like synthy thing yeah. but it's still very unsettling yeah and um he just he combines so many genres into his music score um so like flawlessly it's just it's so good. What I really liked about the Johnny Greenwood score in this, and to be honest, most of the stuff he does, especially with Tom, Paul Thomas Anderson, mm. is Johnny Greenwood has a habit of blending sounds together yeah. with, I mean, that's, uh, every composer does that. But specifically Johnny Greenwood, what he did in this score is he blended the dissonance of strings on a guitar just kind of just playing a uh, played open and the dissonance of those kind of like that Blending with uh, str- the the kind of stringed instruments, yeah, more cinematic, orchestra- uh, yeah, the yeah. kind of orchestral string instruments, kind of just sliding up on certain notes, mm-hmm. and kind of the legato ness of like those kind of to use a musical term, <laughs> um, to to kind of like go up on those certain notes, blending in with the kind of electric guitar thing is like a merging of two different like musical styles, yeah, but perfectly portrays the kind of dissonance of, of this kind of character oh, in God, that yeah. music in that musical sentiment. It's just. It's just such a good musically minded way of just saying these things don't match. This character doesn't make any sense. And we're going to portray that in two 
two two different styles that you would normally show something some sort of tension building or something that's not making sense and then just kind of merging them together to show the scatterbraininess of this person yeah i mean what i got from that like pairing like you said like the cinema the more cinematic parts kind of reminded me of like like a, a big budget sort of creepy horror film kind of thing with yeah. the strings and stuff but then um you know this film is very real and it deal it actually deals with very real issues so like he brings it down with like the guitar and the like you know the, like street percussion and stuff and it's like you know there's a bit of that in here but this is still based in reality and yeah, uh, yeah i just thought it was great that's great that was really good uh i gotta guess the score of this review don't you i do yeah uh i'm gonna say he gave it i'm gonna stick with two stars three stars damn it oh so close okay last one you ready yeah okay i don't even know why i play <laughs> the fun uh this is g copy chechi of course um irritating piece of self-indulgent cinema oh wonderful here we go when i read on the posters the taxi driver of the 21st century <laughs> i put it immediately on my watch list well after seeing the movie the comparison is almost blasphemy Despite the strong performance delivered by Phoenix and the good cinematography, the movie is a total downer. Instead of a plot... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of a plot, what you have is a series of disjointed fragments which you try to desperately make sense of, but the task is hopeless. To add to it, as if it were needed, the director injects more fragments of flashbacks which hardly relate to anything happening in the present. Maybe I just grossly missed the whole thing, but I found this an irritating piece of self-indulgent cinema. Oh I just want to, just before you uh, get in there, I yeah. do want to say, G. Papi Chechi, you did grossly miss the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yep, 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 yep. Nothing you said made any sense. No, <laughs> that's just not true. I just I don't know where to start. With that, do you? I don't. I don't. I'm at a loss for words. But the one thing I just do want to pick up is just what a downer this movie was. Yeah, I mean it is a downer to uh, be like, fair. Like he's not wrong. What a downer this movie movie was, and uh, up against the kind of feel good movie of the year that was yeah, fucking I, Taxi Driver. Yeah, I, oh, I love Taxi Driver. He's <laughs> running around driving taxis. It's just so maybe. Good. Do you think he got confused with the Queen Latifah version of the Taxi movie, oh, and he just Thought, oh i thought this was gonna be so great like or yeah or maybe the television series taxi with andy kaufman and danny devito or maybe the video game driver yeah or the video game <laughs> crazy taxi yeah totally <laughs> that's the, oh my god crazy taxi was so fucking good oh um yeah no seriously this, this review is so fucked <laughs> Oh. It so misses the mark, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I just, I love how I can kind of tell the sort of style of review we're going to get just by the names that you're reading out this week. Yeah. <laughs> just the, the user review names. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I knew we were going to get a few of just kind of like, miss the mark, it's pretentious, no, no, yeah. no, like it. Yeah. Um, just to strongly disagree. Yeah. I, I, like, I've, like I've said, like, I just think it's got a, I think it's got a strong message that it's trying to portray, and I don't, don't think Taxi Movie is a, the Taxi Driver is a feel good film. So I don't know no. what this guy judges. It's not kind of his, his downers and his uppers on. God knows. Um, what why I wanted to yeah. pick out of this one was uh, when he says that uh, the director injects more fragments of flashbacks which hardly relate to anything happening. I mean, we just talked about how that's wrong. They relate to it. They, they were my favorite parts of the movie because that's when you get to see Joe's backstory 
And film film is subjective, and you can get what you want of it. And if you don't like it, it's your total thing. That's totally but, fine. But that point is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, I, it's seriously some of my favorite parts because it's a film that demands your attention. It doesn't hold your hand or walk you through it because it says right, we're going to show you this and we're going to play it out. It's the sort of film where if you watched it with the wrong people. They'll just be like, what's going on here? What's going yeah, on here? And then what's they'll distract th- you. Yeah. And then you won't know. Oh, God, I hate that. And then you'll just be like, oh, I can't. I can't. I, I, I missed something. Yeah, we got yeah. It. There were even at times where we had to rewind. Just kind of like, did we see what we just thought we saw? Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah. But this, oh, there's there's, there's definitely more to surface. I fucking love it. I mean, this, this film, the main thing, I mean, at least for what I got from it, the main point of this film is post-traumatic stress disorder. Yep, yep, yep. And when you have flashbacks to all the grisly shit that Joe's seen in the past, that's very fucking relevant. Yeah. <laughs> like, it couldn't be more relevant. Look, at the end of the day, this c- film could have just ignored all of that, and you t- you say they don't make sense, but and they're, they're unrelated to the situation, but this c- film could have ignored all of that stuff, and then you could have just been presented with a hard, grizzled man who does this chaotic horrible things in this world with no understanding of why he does it yeah but it'd just be and like a john ge- wick and then the and the film would be generic for it because we wouldn't yeah. understand why this person has arrived at this point where he's able to do such brutal things in such a grounded and realistic situation yeah and why this person is so broken but having those little flashes so so small and in so kind of specific moments in the story to kind of link it with his kind of psyche is integral. Yeah. Integral to of course uh, what what Lynn Ramsey's trying to do here. And, and I think it's and amazing. It's, it's, it's integral to how he reacts with the other people in this film as yeah. well. It's, I can't wait to just talk about it. And spoil it's got this, everything to do with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, throw a guess at the stars. Uh, do you know what? I, it's, it's done me so well so far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it two stars. Well, he gave it nine stars. Fuck. No, he gave it two stars. Two stars. Yes! <laughs> I got one. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Wonderful. Okay. So, uh, do you want to, should we, should we do little reviews and then do a spoiler section? Uh, yeah. Should we do, should we, so yeah, well, little reviews now. I think. Yeah. And just kind of just, like, just so, because people. Little reviews are such a good name. People, little reviews. Yeah, little reviews. People who want to see this film don't want it spoiled for them for sure. I know I'd be pissed off if that was me. Um, because it's just so good. It's one of those films where um, you can watch it. And I did it uh, as soon as I watched it. I went home and I researched it. And I was like, oh, what did that shot mean? What did that shot mean? What happened here when like I kind of know what's going on, but I want to know more about it. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of sort of like unwritten like law in this film that yep. you can just like dig into and go down a rabbit hole with, which yep, is yep, great. Yep. Um, so for me, <clears throat> I would give, I would give, you were never really here. I think an Earl Grey, which is eight point five two on our T scale. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, says thank you, Earl Grey. Very cool. Yeah, it is a very cool movie. I'll give you. I'll give you that. For me, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed what Lim Ramsey's trying to do here. There was a definite message of kind of, uh, can you redeem a broken person? Yeah, and do your actions justify what the the actions that you take unto others? Um, but also an understanding of character here, and I think it's an amazing thing. Just like you're saying, I don't want to spoil too much. Because yeah, yeah. This is a film that if you haven't seen, you should definitely check out at least once and try and see what's going on. Like our cat's trying to. 
play with that scratch and post. Oh, here he goes. Podcast cat. Um, for me, I'm going to give this, um, I'm going to give this a chai latte. And I don't yeah. have the scores in front of me, so I'm not sure. 7.2. 7.2. I know it. Uh, cheek treat <laughs> with a bit of spice. That's yeah. as much as I know. I'm yeah. going off of that. I'm going off of the, I'm, I'm going off of that because I'll tell you why I didn't give it an old great. I, I love this film. I think mm-hmm. it's really, I think it's really good, but I think rewatchability is a factor for me to give those higher scores. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I would say for me, this is rewatchable. Yeah. I've seen it. This was, this was the second time yeah, I saw you've it. Seen it twice now. Yeah. So I, I've seen it. Tw- I've seen it twice now. And I, I, I very much enjoyed the second time around going, going and watch it again. I don't think I want to come back and see it a third time. That's fair enough. I and think. I, and I think, I think for that, that's probably if I, if this was the first time I'd seen it, I probably would have given it a, a higher score. But I, I think coming back to it after a little bit of time and kind of seeing it again, this is a really good story. And it's definitely one that you sh- everyone should experience once. I'm just not sure I want to give it those higher scores. And that's no, that's just a personal taste thing. Got nothing to do because it is masterfully crafted. And you should just observe it just for that reason. Yeah. When, when we were watching it, I was the whole time just thinking, I'm so bummed out. I didn't see this on the big screen. It would have been so good. So good. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are our scores. So now we're going to spoilers section. Spoiler section. You have been warned. If you don't want this to be spoiled for you, you don't care about spoilers, just a heads up. This bit contains spoilers. <laughs> Here's some spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <clears throat> All right. So what do you want to get into? Mate, let's talk about the fucking end. Let's yeah. just jump right in there with the spoilers. Yeah. With the scenes, right? We're going to talk about the scene in this film, which is the fucking scene right at the end. Yeah. I love how it's left up to your imagination because there's, there's, I was thinking about this. There's a reading of this film where the, the last three seconds of it or whatever, when Nina comes back to the table, never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reading of that film where he just fucking blew his brains out. And, and no one even fucking noticed. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Oh. I mean, I don't think that's what happened, but still, mm. it's so it's so good that it's it's played that way. I think if they stuck a little closer to the book, it could have played out that way. Yeah. Because in the book, um, he, because <clears throat> in this film, he uses like a hoodie to like cover himself and like you know turns away from CCTV and stuff like that. But in the book, he uses like his old FBI uniform. Right. He uses like fake IDs and stuff like that. So when when it's called, you were never really here. It's literally like people just think he's a whole different person, and then he goes in and does his thing, and and then he's gone. Fuck. Um. So in that sense, the I kind scene of would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, me too. Um. The scene at the end where he yeah he blows his brains out on the dinner table, and then everyone around him, including the waitresses and everyone, just they don't even fucking notice. And the waitress has got blood on her face, and she's yeah. just laughing to like she's jokes like, on a good day. table. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Slips God. in the bill. Um. But that would have with hit if he was like using things like false identities throughout the film. That would have been w- so poignant. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would have fucking loved to see that. Oh man, it's. It's a scene. It's like, so let's, let's talk a bit about let's talk a bit about the scene because you said you wanted to get into the 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 scene where Nina comes back and he's you can see everything on his written on his face, and you were saying something that you wanted to talk about that expression that's on his face. Well, yeah, I would like to go back a little further than that to uh, give it more context. Sure. Um. So it's sort of right. Okay. So at the climax of the film, um. It's all been, it's all gone to shit. They, they've figured out where he lives and stuff. They've uh, killed his elderly mother, who was like the only person he oh has in the God. world. It was so heartbreaking because she was like, 
His mum's obviously got like some sort of recognitive. Uh, yeah, it seems like she's sort of on the verge of a bit of dementia or something. Yeah, something's going you know, on. She's very old and frail. Um, but I mean, you see in the in the first one of the first things when he comes home, she she's like watching TV, and when he comes in, she pretends to be like dead in in the in the uh, in the seat watching oh, TV. Oh shit! Oh yeah, I'm just getting this. Thing. And um and she's like she does this to him she's it's like their thing that they do she's like oh, i got you you know you, yeah. like i'm old and you thought i was dead <laughs> that kind of thing because they just you know they've had like a horrible past with like a horrible uh father husband yeah and so they're they're both a bit fucked up so they do like these weird jokes to each other but like to them it's absolutely fine um so then he's like spends a little time like figuring out if if she's alive or not while she's sitting in the seat and then it comes to the shot at the end where they've killed uh the mother and she's got like a pillow over her head and there's a gunshot and there's blood coming out and like her glasses are cracked with blood like next to it. it's gruesome yeah. and he because of this like running joke that he has with his mother he still doesn't quite believe it and he has to go and like lift the pillow up and see it and it just shows like how fucked up he is in the head that he doesn't like that's not enough for him he has to double check he's like maybe mum's playing a joke it's just like this is heartbreaking um so then he goes to uh to I, i suppose do a funeral but it's not a funeral he takes her body to the lake and he um, fills her fills her pockets with stones. He fills his pockets with stones, and he's going to commit suicide with his uh, with his mother's body and just drown in the lake. Yeah. And then he sees a vision of Nina while he's drowning, and that vision kind of makes him go like, oh, "Fuck no, I've got I've got to do this thing." He takes all the stones out of his pocket. He swims up to the lake, and he's like, "No, I've got to go and save this girl." He gets to the place, blah blah blah. He goes up to see the was it senator. A governor? Yeah, so she's like a, a, a governor type person. Yeah, the guy um, that ba- he ba- basically tricked him into doing this thing. Yeah. Um, so he thought he was saving Nina, but actually he was aiding this governor who deals with like sex trafficking on like the sly, and it's just all fucked up. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, he goes, he goes there, he goes up to kill the governor with his trusty ball peen hammer. Yeah. He gets there, he realizes that the governor's already been killed. Um, sh- he doesn't know yet, but it's by it is by Nina, uh, the thirteen year old girl. So this is the first of the um facial expressions i want to get into yeah. one of two is uh he he gets to the to the governor's place and the governor's been killed by nina and he realizes that he's just okay so the whole way through the film he has suicidal tendencies yeah. and he's finally going to go through it and that would actually be like for joe it would be a peaceful end for him yes um and then he's p- dragged himself back out into like you know being part of of the world yeah he gets there he realizes the governor's already been killed yeah and that's what he came to do and then he just stares at, at and was like, okay, I didn't even need to come here. Like, I just, I've just been through so much. Like, I was just ready to die. And then this was the one thing that kept me going. And now I was inconsequential to the whole thing anyway. That's what you got out of that scene. That's very yeah. interesting. I got a completely different read. Really? What did you Yeah, get? yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I'll, I'll let you finish your, your point, though, with what you were saying. So you, he comes, he gets into the room, finds the dead body, and then he's like, I... I didn't even need to be here type thing. Yeah. And then he comes into to Nina. Well, we'll get to that one. Tell me what you thought about, about that okay, first right, one. Okay, all right, all right. We'll go through one by one. My read was specifically, it was just about the scene when he finds the governor that's dead. Yeah. When he was in there and he finds a dead body and he starts crying, I thought he was crying at the loss of innocence of the child. I thought he was, uh, you know, I thought he was just like, this kid has had such a fucked up life. Oh, see, that's why I think the second one is. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but like, I figured that it's like, because he's like, this whole time he's thinking, you know, this child has been through some such horrible stuff, and obviously, he saves he saves these children from horrible situations. But I feel like the fact that he thought he could save her was kept, the, him, going. kept him going, and what was the was the thing that meant that he could um, carry on. Yeah, it's definitely. That's but definitely when, what kept him going. Yeah. But when he found the dead body, he was like, 
her innocence is dead. Her innocence is dead. She took this into her own hands, and now once you've taken a life, you're going to be different. He knows, because it's the reason he carries a hammer. Yeah. It's the reason that he's... The way he is is because he killed his dad. Yeah. So... I've, that's what I that's what I thought. He's like, I've she's I've broken her by not being here type of thing. Mm. That's what I thought. No, that's um that's all I I think they're probably both very valid. I mean it's very yeah. subjective anyway, isn't it? Um Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Um I got more of a the first one more of a like I like your read though. More of a futility from it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um and then the second one he Second one being the bar, the, the diner scene, right? No, the dining table. Dining table. Not the diner scene. Right, okay. The second one, he then goes down the stairs, finds Nina. She's sat at the dining table. She has, she has like a cutthroat razor on the side. Yeah. yeah. So it's all close-ups. There's a close-up of a plate at this point. Yeah, there's, there's a close-up close of a fork, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. There's a, so there's a cutthroat razor by the side, which she's obviously used to kill this governor. Yeah. And then she's eating food, and she's like eating the food, but she's still got like his blood on her hands and yeah. eating it. And then uh, Joe comes over and kneels down next to her, like touches her on the arm, and just the look he gives her there. That's where I think he's like, oh, you're not going to be the same now, you know. Like you're unfortunately you're one of me now, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that the fucking look that he gives in that shot is just moved me so much. Fucking Joaquin Phoenix, man. And it, it holds there for for a while, and it just, it doesn't fade, and it's it gets more intense the more you look at it. It's yeah. it was incredible. Like it fucking moved me. That was such a good bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that for me is where he then goes. You know, the innocence is dead and. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. That's an interesting point. That that kind of uh, ties the knot, that mm. little ending bit with the scene. Um, but he's just he's just gone. Like, what, the oh, one yeah. thing we need to put, uh, like, kind of brings to the forefront about the scene is that by the point that he finds her on the dining table and she's just, like, eating the, her cold dinner with the cutlery that she has used to kill this governor, Yeah. Um, he finds her like this. He's already kind of, like, ripped off his shirt just out of, like, frustration, I guess. Yeah, well, he has like, some, like, uh, some visions. He went into the living room before finding her. He has some, like, visions of, like, his mother and, yeah. like, the horrible things he's had to do in the past when he was yeah. in, like, the Gulf War and yeah. bodies of, you know, horrible war shit. Um, so he had some PTSD throwback there and then came into the dining room, so he had yeah. a bit of a freak out. I, the, the fact that he was a bit naked kind of put me like put a weird tension in that in that scene that i felt was a, a bit uncomfortable do you think yeah i i, I, I see uh, joe as i don't think he saw it that way well i, I see joe as a as a man who uh, doesn't even consider sex in his life at all like he, asexual completely yeah because of what he's been because of his father to his mother and all of the and obviously he's seen all these sex trafficking things i think because he gets shirtless a few times in the film and it's just because he's doing stuff and he doesn't need a shirt on. It's yeah. never to be, like, provocative. No. I, I don't think he considers sex as anything that he is possible of doing at all yeah. in his mental state. I kind of agree with you in that sense. Yeah, so I, I didn't find it like that. But it wasn't, it, wasn't the f it wasn't the fact that it was a sexual tone under no, the no. scene. But it was an aggressiveness because he's just this, in this film... He just amps himself up to kill he, someone. He's just a, he's just a hulking, massive figure. Yeah. Like, he's put on so much weight for this thing. His fucking, just, like, what are these muscles above your collarbone? The, what they're, they're, they're so huge. Yeah, exactly. That's fucking massive. What are those, the, 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 the John Cena, as I call them? The John Cena, the, yeah. the neck muscles. Like, you just have to paint them green. Yeah, like, I'm not too convinced. Honestly, <laughs> but, like, this is the thing. He's such an imposing presence that he yeah. just walks into this dining area with a shirt off. And I just, I feel scared. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't, I don't know whether that's just a me thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just reading the scene wrong or whatever. But I just, like, it adds a certain thing when he walks into that room, like, dressed like that, mm. lack thereof, that I'm just like, I'm like, what's going to happen? Well, yeah, with the, um, 
like you said, like the aggressiveness in mind, like there was a part of me that thought he's just going to go up there and like snap her neck. Like he needs to kill something. No, no, just like her innocence is dead. Yeah. She's killed someone. I don't want her to live the life I've had to live. Yeah. Fair enough. Like without her even knowing. And then, yeah. In case you were wondering and you haven't seen this film and you just wanted to listen through spoilers and you were wondering if this was going to be a happy fun time. No. No, no, no. That's kind of, I got like a bit of that vibe until he went like, around like from the back of the chair and I was like oh, okay good. yeah I just, oh. <laughs> yeah so I thought that could be a possibility like yeah, he yeah, just yeah. had like PTSD war flashbacks Ooh, and shit no thank you uh, yeah luckily you get a beautiful scene instead yeah instead of my horrible <laughs> so here's see, so now let's, let's loop this back around in a yeah. circle to talk about the scene that I, I brought up at the start yeah which is that yeah. diner scene yeah so we've put this all in context now and now the Nina character, they've gone to a diner, they're hiding out, and they're kind of, he's like, well, at least I have her. She is his last connection and his last tether to this world, because otherwise he would have just killed himself. Um, just left himself in the lake with his mum. So she, they, she asks them, Nina, she's like, they order some food, they go, he gets a coffee or whatever in this diner, and she's like, what do we do now? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, well, we can go, like, we can go anywhere. Yeah, where do you want to go? We can go anywhere you want to go. We can do anything. Yeah, he's like, he's on board for whatever he's on board she for needs whatever. to do. And she's like, she's like, I don't know. Yeah, and then she's like, I don't need a minute. And she goes off somewhere, and he thinks he's scared her off. Yeah, he's not sure what what's going on, what he's done. So he just freaks out because he feels abandoned and feels like he doesn't know what to do, and he's just freaking out in this moment and just kind of losing himself a little bit, and then fucking just imagines blowing his brains out on the yeah. table and then we said the waiter has blood on her face and she's like still laughing with this other table leaves yeah. the bill on there and then the blood spilling over the bill and it's uh it's all in his imagination because he wakes back up as she comes back onto the she comes back to the table and now we'll get into this expression that you wanted to talk about and i want to hear your thoughts on this okay well what are your what are your thoughts on i don't know like i i felt i felt that he had resigned to kill himself in that scene and he was like I'm dead. That was my last, that is my last tether to this, mm-hmm. to this world was that one person. Yeah. And she has left me. Like, it doesn't register that she's just gone to the loo, but she's, he's like, feels a man. And she's like, she has left me and I don't know what to do. Anymore. I just feel lost. And I think that's a, that's a feeling that I think a lot of people can kind of associate themselves with that kind of feeling of a, abandonment type thing. Yeah. But when she comes back, I think it's like part shock. Yeah. And just like, I don't know what to do. And I think she's bought in. But I think it's kind of dawning on him. They're going to have to figure something out now. That's what I got. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure whether that's what you got. I got something a little different. Okay. You want to hear something gloomy? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. Come on. So uh, what I got from that is... Well, first, I mean, it starts, uh, you know, when he imagines bring, blowing his brains out. Yeah, but that, from, that's um, that chestnut. From what I got from it was, in that moment, he is thinking to himself, okay, I've saved this girl. I've done my job. I don't feel any better, and I still want I to die. I my purpose type thing. No, not even that. Just this has had no impact on... on it. I thought this would help me, but it hasn't. Yeah. And I'm still broken. Yeah. I thought it was that, and I was like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, I know, oh. I know there's two of them. <laughs> like, it's just so dreary. Yeah. Um, but amazing. Uh, but very, very depressing. But that's kind of what I got from it. And then the kind of the vacant stare that he gives her afterwards, he's like, well, you might do something, but... Nothing's gonna make me a human. Yeah, you know. So I, that's kind of how I how I found it. I kind of feel like it's a bit of both. Yeah. I kind of feel like there's a there's a gloominess to the one that you were saying mm-hmm. of this kind of resigning to the fact that he's not human anymore, 
and that there's another by the way, like, mental disorders are definitely human i'm just being poetic with my words <laughs> i think you're definitely saying something else i think you're definitely saying that people with mental 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 like just want to clear that up yeah. <laughs> right. i think you're definitely you think you're saying that people with mental disabilities or mental illnesses are uh, actually aliens is what you're saying i like to use metaphors just <laughs> let's just remember my context <laughs> Oh, cancel me. Yeah, I'm going right. to cancel you. Oh, fuck. Um, no, <laughs> no, I do think that there is a point to what you were saying yeah. with that, but I do think it's like a mix between the two mm. of he is, he's, I think one of them, if not all of them, have bought in to each other. The idea of hanging out together and yeah, just kind of hanging out with each other and doing this thing with each other. Um, yeah, I think they're if both not for the fact that they, they're the only thing that each other have. Of course, yeah. And the fact that they're both kind of fucked up and broken and stuff um, from just everything that they've been through. I I, th- I do think I do think that that's an aspect of it. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a there's a positive and a negative note. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not you know it's not cut and dry like yeah. hooray yeah, I saved the girl. Which is kind of like I think it's a good ending point. Oh, gotcha. Like you don't really know. Do you want to hear how the how the book ends? I do actually. I would like to know. Uh, does it end with him killing himself, <laughs> and that's just it? It doesn't. Ah, good. Which is what I presumed. It, no, assumed it yeah. would be. Um, so uh, there are several changes made to the film from the novel, mm. most notably the ending. In the novel, Sen- oh, he's a senator. We've been saying governor. Senator. Senator Votto does not die until the end, and Joe does not end up rescuing Nina. Rather, he confronts Votto at his mansion, where it is revealed that Votto intentionally sold her into slavery so the mob would boost his political career. Oh, my God. Then he had his wife killed to keep the truth from getting out and then covered it up to look like a suicide. Oh, that's horrible. His mission... This this backstory for his character just makes me hate him more. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Uh, His mission now turned into a personal vendetta. Joe kills Votto and then heads to Philadelphia, where Nina has been moved, thus ending the novel on a cliffhanger. Right. Can I tell you what I hate about that? Uh, that you don't get the resolution of him actually saving her or getting the resolution of her story. The cliffhangers are lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. that. Fuck that ending. I, I think it's a great, in this kind of cinematic universe world that we live in, if it was setting itself up for a sequel, oh God. then that would be the way that you would end it. Not everything has to be a sequel, movie companies. Um, Please just do a good film. But I think this the ending we got is, is a much much tighter and better way. of. And, and on that point as well, not every film has to be fucking two hours long. This is a one and a half hour film. I mean, it's a tight knit movie. And it's incredible. Yeah. It doesn't need to be any longer. Mm. It's excellent. I think Martin Scorsese disagrees with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you see that? That came out this week. What? The Irishman is going to be three hours and 15 minutes long. That's quite a long film. I cannot wait. I tried to watch his uh, thing on the blues. Oh, yeah? It's too long. (laughs) (laughs) You've only got so much time in a day. That sounded like I was setting up for like a punchline. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't at all. It's just too long. Oh, man. It's so long. Um, Yeah, like, I, I mean, we've talked about kind of three or four different scenes there. Yeah. in our scene area um is there any kind of final thoughts any kind of things that you want to kind of get on there this has kind of There's, been a this has kind of been a very free form podcast much like the making yeah. of this movie yeah 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 well that's <laughs> a good segue into what i do want to talk about actually all right all right go ahead um so i okay so when i watch this man. film the the scene we talked about where his mother's pretending to be dead in the chair right and then she, she, she's like, ah, I got you. And then they have a little conversation. And she said, like, oh, I was watching Psycho on the TV and uh-huh. it scared me and you yeah. should have been here. And I went, oh, Psycho, mother and son and 
weird shit. You're remembering the conversation we had on a previous podcast when I told you whenever they show a movie in a movie, that's that's not there. That's that's there for a reason. Okay, so you ready for this? Yeah. I was watching a thing of Mark Camo talking about this as well, right. and he did the same thing as me. He went, ah, psycho in the film. That must mean something, mother and son. And then he was saying that when he, uh, after the, the film festival, he went and spoke to Lynn Ramsey about it, and he was talking to her. And he said, well, so what's the connection uh, with Psycho? Like, you know, obviously mother, blah, blah, blah. What were you trying to get across with that? And she said, oh, that, that was just, that was just uh, the, the actress that plays the mother in it. Um, Lynn Ramsey just asked her like, uh, what, like, what would your character have been watching while he was out? And she went, mm, Psycho. <laughs> and that was it. And then uh, all that stuff was just ad-libbed by uh, Joaquin Phoenix. <sighs> like the like, <laughs> bit when she's having a problem in the bathroom the whole scene was improvised that was improvised oh fuck yeah and uh and then also another bit he he went okay well okay sure and then there's there's a, a scene later on in the film where um Joaquin phoenix uh joe rather he um he strangles a cop like a corrupt cop to death and then the camera gets knocked over in the struggle and it goes up to a, a broken mirror that's on the ceiling yeah. and then from that reflection you can see them both um, exhausted on the floor and then uh, Joe eventually kills the policeman and then they're lying there for a bit um, he was like so what, what was that you know mirrors and you know I always say about fucking mirrors yeah. as well like yeah, how yeah, you yeah, say yeah. about Doors. I'm always going on about mirrors and I'm shit I'm talking about frames yeah, yeah. Um, and then she goes like oh that, that whole scene was improvised by Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> the whole scene yeah but this is I think is it, it, this is all contextual and I think it's it kind of a testament to the kind of filmmaker that Lim Ramsey is. is yeah. I think she's an intuitive filmmaker mm -hmm. and she won't pre-plan a lot of stuff, but she's the sort of person that does all of this shit instinctually. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause the fact of the matter is whether it happened as improvisation or whether it was something like if you're, if you're freaking, um, I premeditated. Can't. Yes. Premed I'm trying to think of fucking most premeditative director ever. Why am why am I going on a blank on his name? Know, James Cameron? No, I'm talking about fucking Shining director. Oh, Stanley Kubrick. We were talking about it earlier. We were talking about him earlier, and yeah. I can't believe I just went. You know, when you just get those blanks on the names. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Whether you're whether you're like epic planner like Stanley Kubrick, or whether you're kind of just improvising things on the spot, the fact of the matter is that when it gets to the edit, choices have to be made in terms of what order you're showing these shots and when you're showing them for how yeah, long yeah, you're yeah. showing them for mm -hmm. so the fact of the matter is i think what i'm trying to say is that i think lynn ramsey as a director is incredible at connecting ideas through yeah. edits yeah yeah there's this whole kind of filmmaking technique called the kuleshov effect okay uh goes back to like the 19 uh like 20s early ideas when cinema was first kind of being made and Kuleshov was uh this kind of theater kind of uh, filmmaker type person anyway he had for he did an experiment where he showed um this he showed a picture of a man and then he showed a picture of like a soup and then he showed a picture of a man and then he showed a picture of a woman then a picture of a man again uh same same man throughout the whole oh, thing yeah, yeah, and then a picture of a gun and then he did say, showed this screening for uh, this kind of uh, group of people, and the whole time they 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 see this and they're like, 
oh, this is the first times of like filmmaking and stuff. And at first they see the man and they're like, oh, he's so hungry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he's so lustful. Yeah. Oh, he's so, he's so kind he of. He wants to kill someone. He's so, he's so, yeah, he wants to kill someone. And then they realize later that they use the same shot of, of the, the man. man for each thing and the person the 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 audience were always making the connections for what uh, filling in the blanks as as you were saying earlier yeah uh between each shot and it's kind of a filmmaking technique that's employed like you see it everywhere now oh god yeah, yeah. but lynn ramsey uses it extinctually like yeah yeah without even like with like this is what i'm talking about like this shit is in her dna She's just born to do it like these small flashes of these flashbacks and stuff and we don't even get a glimpse of enough of them to really fully understand the context of what's going on in each scene because mm. they span different timelines i mean in one of them you only see joaquin phoenix and you barely see him with an FBI coat or an FBI hat for a fraction of a second. Yeah, it's not long at all. That's... I didn't even see it the first time I saw it. <laughs> yeah. But it's only the second time around. I was like, that is him. Yeah. Um. So, like, you missed that fraction of a second and you wouldn't even have gotten that he was previously an FBI agent. Yeah, that's the only time you see him in uniform. That's the only time. So, But that's what I mean. Like, you get these fractions of like fraction cooler show effects type yeah, yeah. thing that she's just stitching together to weave this bigger narrative into your mind. And I think she does it instinctually. And I think it's a really, really good way of doing it. It's something that I think more people should do. And it's a great, great, great takeaway and a great thing to learn from it. I think. Yeah. It's, it's fucking great. Yeah. It just, yeah, that's all that needs to be said about it, to be honest. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just very, very good. And I really enjoyed watching it. So, if you agreed or disagreed with the takes, maybe you have more suggestions. Maybe you want to talk about the ups and downs, the uppers and the downers of this film or mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. The British films, you can reach out to us on the Twitters. Yeah. At the Movie Brew. Uh, Instagram, same as at the Movie Brew. Uh, we've got a website up, themoviebrew.com. We've got a Facebook, facebook.com slash themoviebrew. For longer stuff, you want to send us some emails, just, you know, send us, uh, send, send us some stuff at hello at the movie brew. Tell us your suggestions. Tell us like your feelings and thoughts that you've got with other previous things that we've done. We're going to be doing some spooktacular October yes. stuff. It's spooktober. Spooktober. So we're going to do, we're going to do some stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, just. Uh, let us know let us know what you want us to do and reach out to us and we'll we'll add that onto the list yeah um what else do i need to talk about thank you to forest fire creations for the artwork yeah thank you to jake brett for our theme music you can check out more of his stuff at tamarin uh on facebook and uh the social medias they got a new video out and it's real mm. cool um anyways but yeah that's pretty much us and we'll catch you on the next episode of the, the movie, movie bro, bro. <laughs>